The sermon from St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, preached on September 23, 2012, based on 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit strengthens us to bear our cross as we follow Jesus is 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. It's printed on the insert in the service folder. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you are participating in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior, the world tries to determine what's right and wrong, oftentimes based on the outcome. For example, the world will say that you must be doing something wrong if your actions bring you criticism of others or you don't feel good about them or if, if your life isn't going well. On the other hand, if, if the world is praising you and you and, and tries to make you feel good, then, then they say you must be doing the right thing. But is that a good gauge of what's right and wrong? Let's consider the Apostle Peter. Last week in the sermon you heard how Peter and John went to the temple to pray, and there was a, a beggar crippled from birth sitting there. They, they healed the beggar. And as the crowds gathered, recognizing that this was the crippled man now walking and, and, uh, and jumping, Peter and John made it clear that it wasn't their power that had healed the man, but Jesus of Nazareth. Then Peter went on and preached to the people that they, yes, the crowds gathered here, they had handed Jesus over to Pilate. They had disowned him in exchange for a murderer. They had killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, fulfilling the prophecies. He called the people to repentance. Because in Jesus there is forgiveness that washes away all sin and brings forth times of refreshing Many believed that day. But what was the outcome that day for Peter and John? They were arrested. And they were thrown into prison. 
Not a very positive outcome. There was no congratulations from the authorities, no public service award. They were thrown into prison and spent that night in prison. What prison? What a disgrace. What a negative outcome. And the next day they were hauled before the, the council, the same group of men that had condemned Jesus. This time they were simply warned, very strictly warned, not to preach anymore about Jesus and were severely threatened if they did. And so if they were going to base what they did on the outcome, no, they would certainly think we better not talk about Jesus anymore, but no. No, they, they knew that to follow Jesus meant to speak his name and that the world, the world would not act kindly towards that. And so they continued to proclaim Jesus. They continued to proclaim his name. For you see, they committed their souls. They entrusted themselves to the Lord. For they knew they were doing the Lord's will. They knew that they were following Jesus despite the negative outcome they experienced that night in jail. And so they continued. In fact, they counted it as a blessing and rejoiced that they could suffer for the name of Jesus. And so as we listen to Peter's letter here to his fellow Christians, including you and me, we know, we or we see that, that he knows what he's talking about, doesn't he? He knows not only because the Holy Spirit has given him these words to write, but also because he has lived it firsthand. He knows the insults that come as you follow Christ. He knows those fiery trials, those painful times. And yet he continues on to proclaim that word. May the Holy Spirit work in us that same strength here today, dear friends, through this word of God. As we focus on this theme, in fiery trial, commit your soul to your faithful creator. Do so rejoicing that you share in Christ's sufferings. That's part one. And do so anticipating the glory at Christ's revelation. That's part two. Part one. Peter writes, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Don't be fooled by the health and wealth theologies, those churches that promise happiness and success if you follow their rules. Peter tells us to expect the opposite. Don't be surprised. Don't think it's strange if bad things happen to good people like you. But you see, as we follow Jesus, Peter tells us to expect those times of fiery trial or painful trial. That word translated painful is really the word for burning. And aren't burns one of the worst kinds of pains? Now, I realize that any advertising agency would tell us that this is not the way to gain members. You know, a slogan like, our gain is your pain, probably wouldn't fly too well. But Jesus himself was very clear many times during his ministry about the cost of following him. In fact, in the Gospel today, in Mark 8, you had one example of that. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And that cross 
that comes as we follow Christ, that cross that comes because we are obeying Jesus. That's what Peter is describing in these words here. And yet, as you bear the cross, as you suffer fiery trial for being a Christian, consider how you are sharing in Christ's sufferings. Yes, reflect on on what Jesus experienced during his ministry on earth when he reached out to the lowly and the outcasts. People labeled him as a glutton and drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. When he confronted hypocrisy and, and, and uh, work righteousness, they plotted his death. And even as he hung on the cross in agony, they had no sympathy for him, only ridicule. Let God rescue you if he really actually wants you. And so as we look at our Savior, it's really no surprise when we too suffer the insults, ridicules, and slanders of this world. In fact, Peter Peter here tells us to consider ourselves blessed. Blessed when we suffer because we are following our Savior and doing what he wants us to do. For you see, the Holy Spirit is at work in you. He is at work in you to give you that strength to bear up and to to endure with great patience and perseverance. Yes, the world hated Jesus, so it hates us as well. But consider that hatred and know that you are suffering along with Jesus. That, That you are sharing in Christ's sufferings because you carry his name, Christian. Peter reminds us of that as he says here, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Now, of course, we're talking about the suffering that comes as we live a Christian life in this ungodly world. It's a, when, 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 when that suffering comes, Peter describes it as an honor and glory. Now, if we suffer because we've done something that is actually wrong, that is no honor or glory, is it? And Peter brings that point out as well when he writes, if you suffer, it should not be as a a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Yes, the world tries to make us feel ashamed because of what the world insults and ridicules us for. But when we are following Jesus, rather than shame, consider that suffering and honor and glory, for you are sharing in Christ's sufferings. It's like a red badge of courage, a war wound. If a soldier gets a, a wound because he has turned and run away from the battle and somehow gets wounded on the backside, now that's no honor or glory, is it? When a soldier stands up for our country and stands firm against the assaults of the enemy, that wound is certainly a red badge of courage, honor, and glory. How much more so, dear Christian, as you stand up for your Savior, Jesus Christ, and stand firm against the insults, slanders, and ridicules of this world. 
What a glory to know that you are carrying the name of Jesus Christ. What an honor that God counts you worthy to stand firm and bear that time of fiery trial for the name of your Savior. What an honor and glory to share in Christ's sufferings. And so as we face these trials in life, we commit our souls, we entrust ourselves to our faithful Creator, for you know how faithful He is. He promised you His own Son as the Savior to suffer in your place so that we can rejoice in Him. And so when we we see the fiery trials or the ridicules of this world, we can rejoice. And maybe a few examples will will help us see what this is all about. Even, Even if none of these examples pertain to you particularly, I think you'll see the point. When as a young person, others might ridicule you for keeping yourself pure for your future spouse, rejoice. When others label you as a... Uh, someone who is intolerant because you say that same-sex marriage is wrong, rejoice. When someone calls you a party pooper because you won't laugh at a dirty joke or won't drink too much, rejoice. If you suffer financially because you put your Lord before your work, rejoice. If you experience family strife because you refuse to compromise God's truth, rejoice. Yes, as you live your life following Jesus, and as that brings on it the ridicule and insults of this world, whatever they may be, however fiery the trial might become, rejoice, for you are sharing in Christ's suffering, and your faithful Creator will take care of you, for He keeps His promises. Just as He sent your Savior to suffer in your place, so so now... He is taking care of you. He is faithful. Commit yourself, your soul, to your faithful creator. And as you do that in times of fiery trial, we do that not only by looking back at Christ's suffering for us, but also by looking forward to Christ's glory. Yes, we anticipate The glory at Christ's revelation. That's the second part here. Peter talks about that when he writes, But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. He's pointing us to Christ's return on the last day, isn't he? And yes, we usually refer to that as Christ's return, not as Christ's revelation, but they are talking about the same event. And that word revelation helps us remember an important truth here. Christ's glory exists right now, but it's hidden. Uh, Just as, for example, a, a monument or statue is hidden under a cloak or veil until it is revealed, so Christ's glory is hidden from the eyes of the world until he reveals it on the last day. But just as that monument is real, even though it is under a cloak, so also Christ's glory is real right now, even though it is hidden from the world's eyes. And when he does come on the last day, it will be revealed for all to see. And so we anticipate the glory at Christ's 
revelation. And how that strengthens us, doesn't it? How that strengthens us to bear up in fiery trial. For the Savior who suffered for you on that cross in your place is the same Savior who now, yes, right now, rules over this world and all things in the glory at the Father's right hand. And he will reveal that glory for all to see when he returns. We anticipate Christ's revelation. Now until that day, yes, until that day, we will have our struggles in this life. There will be those fiery trials. But consider, consider that if life, life is difficult and hard for God's own people, what will be the final outcome for those who have rejected God? For those whom Peter refers to as the ungodly, who do not trust in Jesus and do not obey his word. And so even as we look forward to that day and anticipate Christ's revelation, that gives us that strength to bear up knowing the glory that awaits us. And so once again, we commit our souls to our faithful creator because we know that he is able to keep us safe for that day, isn't he? He is able to rule over all things from beginning to end. For he is the one who made the heavens and the earth, the universe, the, 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 the oceans, the mountains and the plains and everything that fills them. He is the one who knits you together in your mother's womb and forms you to be who you are. He is certainly capable. He is able. He has that power and might to take care of us no matter how fiery the trial is. Through his Son, Jesus Christ, he has demonstrated his love, grace, and mercy to do so. So do not doubt. Do not doubt, but firmly commit your soul to the care of your faithful Creator. And then we don't need to be swayed by the world trying to tell us that right and wrong is determined by whether it's a good outcome or a bad outcome. We don't care what the world says, for we know that right and wrong is determined by what our Creator and our Savior says to us in His Word. And with that confidence, no matter what the fiery trial may be, we commit our souls to our faithful Creator, rejoicing that we share in Christ's sufferings and anticipating the glory at Christ's revelation. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.